you need to share your ideas and goals in your business, not only with your business partners and what you do, but with your employees and the people that work for you, right? You need to have a vision and help be a good leader. And you have to communicate that effectively to your team if, so that everyone's on the same page. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Our hot takes on our annual planning techniques and process, how we use annual planning to really excel in our own businesses and give you some nuggets that you can use in your business as well. So joining me today is Kyle Hamer. Hey, Kyle. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Hey. And Chris Green. Hey, Chris. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? You guys ready to jump into the hot take topic? I am. I'm ready to right. ready to roll. <laughs> We're always ready. <laughs> always ready. All right. Well, it's the perfect time of the year to do it. We've got, uh, you know, just uh, we're four days in here and we've got plenty of time to think about how best to structure our annual plan for 2022. And uh, regardless of when you're listening to this, it's a good time to think about planning work. So somebody want to kick it off with their first hot take. Kyle, can I pick on you first? Do you want to tell us how you do annual planning or think about it? Yeah, absolutely. So my first hot take is that if you only do annual planning, uh, you're making just it's too my initial reflection on this was I love annual planning because it allows you to go back and be reflective and to do some planning for the year. However, with a huge gigantic caveat, I think that if you only are really seriously doing planning on an annual basis, it's too slow and you need to break those plans down into quarters so that you can attack them and you can pivot more quickly. So that's my big takeaway about annual planning is, is I think, at least for my own experience, I need to do it at a, at a shorter interval. So I get better feedback on it as a whole. And that's my big takeaway on just sort of the entire process and my hot take on it is it needs to be probably broken down into a quarterly and then even further than that okay. attached to some goals. And that's what you do. That's what I do. Yep. Okay, cool. Chris, what do you do? Oh, Kyle, I completely agree with it. And I would almost phrase it as being flexible and being willing to adapt and, and okay to change and saying, you know what, that was our plan. But maybe it's not the best plan or it turned out to be a bad plan or, hey, there's this better plan or, hey, this new thing just dropped and we really need to pivot. I've seen so many people where they get stuck and like they feel like, yeah, but that's, that's not part of our plan. And at the same time, I can say that and say some people, the right move is to say, no, that's not part of our plan and to stick mm -hmm. to their plan mm -hmm. and not get distracted by, I mean, not just the shiny object stuff, but the, the days and the, the time that we live in, there is new technology and new opportunities. And I think a lot of people who listen to the show are like, they're interested in these new opportunities, like just as an entrepreneurial mindset, say something new came out. I just want to learn about it. And I want, that means spending some time with it, which means not spending some time on something else that you may have already committed to. So I just want people to have the freedom and the permission to 
either stick with their plan, that's what works for them, or to change things up and be flexible. Because uh, the person who understands their business the best is the person who's running the business. So I don't want people to, to listen to me and be like, I want to do it like Chris Green does. It's like, no, you don't. You absolutely do not. The way that I do it will not match some random person's entrepreneur you know, business at all. But we don't want you guys to just, anybody that's listening to just take advice and say, look, I want to, that, that makes sense to me. But you know what? Yeah, I disagree with, with Chris on that. So I'm not going to do that. That's that's exactly what everybody should do because there's there's no shortage of things to do in every year. And if you plan in January, great. If you plan in March or October, that's fine as well. I don't want people to get stuck on the calendar year kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, unless that makes sense for you, or get stuck on the tax year kind of thing, unless that makes so, you know, sense for you. So there's, there's so many variables and so many options. I don't want people to get kind of stuck, you know, feeling they have to do things one way when there's multiple ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So my hot take is uh, similar to Kyle. I mean, I think we probably do the same thing because we do business together, but quarterly planning is really more quarterly sprints is what I like to do. But for the annual planning thing, there are a few pieces that I really do keep track of at the, at the yearly level. And the first one, the biggest one is, is top line revenue and then profit for the year. And so every year we look at how did we do? How does that compare to last year? You know, year prior. So we have two years to look back and then what's an appropriate goal for, you know, this coming year. And we don't, you know, I mean, we're pretty gracious to ourselves. We don't, we don't try to be brutal to ourselves, but, but we definitely have an eye for what the top line looks like and then how to go after it. And then, and of course the, you know, the, the bottom line as well. And sometimes there's big changes that need to happen when you look at it that way. Sometimes, you know, we've been in the business in places in the business where we have years that we're rolling and it's working and we're on a track that we're running down and it's not a lot of question about change. It's just a question about continuous execution and improvement. Other times you're at a crossroads and you're like, "Mm, this isn't really working the way we want it to. Something needs to definitely change. And January 1st seems like a good time to choose the new new thing or to cut off the old thing or, you know, to to uh, push the, you know, the wounded you know, non-working thing out the door and say, see you later. I'm not doing you anymore. And so, you know, I think that's the annual process is good for that decision-making. And and so it allows you also, when you do that, to kind of give yourself grace, you know, let's say you're in June, July, August, and you're thinking, man, this is not working. Something's not, you know, something's funky in what we're selling or how we're sourcing it or what, you know, the brand or whatever it is, the sales but it lets you think, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna push through to you know to the end of the year and see how this resolves. Because maybe it's seasonality. Maybe you find a different twist. Mm-hmm. Maybe customers come around differently. Maybe you realize you were doing it wrong and if you just switch it around a little bit, it'll fix itself. So I like annual planning for that kind of level. And then beyond that, the quarterly emphasis is more what we focus on. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that spurs any thoughts, but Kyle, back to you. Yeah, for sure. I think one really something that you reminded me of on that for annual planning is your sort of your corporate vision. I think it's a good opportunity to reflect on it and see where you're headed just as a big picture. And I think an annual review of that makes a lot of sense because business, they change the focus change to your point. I mean, it's not even at like a product line level or at a marketing level, but even your overall idea around why you're in business or what your goals are can change and morph. And I think an annual review of that makes a ton of sense. And it's a good time to sort of take everything into account for that year and then make sure you're still on track and whether or not what you're head aiming for is still where you want to go. Yeah, I totally agree. 
because I've seen people struggle and tell me if you've seen people struggle with the same thing, being able to stop doing something, right? Being able mm-hmm. to change their plans. I see a lot of people get stuck on, well, we've done this for so long, or like we committed to this, or we spent this much time on it. And then it, if you like actually look at it, and actually analyze it, you're like, no, this is not a good use of our time, of our money, of our resources, of all these things. But they struggle to like come up with a, a reason to get rid of it. And I would almost say like a time to get rid of it. So I hope people can almost think of it as like, hey, it's January. You know what? Now's the time. Like if all you needed was some kind of justification to say, I just need a reason to drop this. Hey, January 1st is your reason. Say, look, yep. that, that's it, right? And if, I've just seen people struggle with this. I struggle with myself. Like, oh, we've done this for so long. Or like, what about this group that we started back? No, it's, it's January 1st. Kill that group and, and move on. You can Bye always guns. go back. You can mm-hmm. always start it again. You can always, mm-hmm. but it's that sunk cost kind of fallacy of like, oh, we've done so much. We spent this time. We spent this money. Yeah. You know, not everything. And it, it can be hard. I've seen people struggle with it uh, yeah. to, to be able to drop it. So use this show and use this date as your permission to drop yeah. the things that don't excite you anymore. So you can reallocate the time and resources into something that's going to be more productive. Yeah. One last thought on that. And then I have I got other couple of questions for you guys, but the other piece of that that's helpful too, is especially when you're holding dead inventory, you know, you're holding dead inventory and you're like, okay, let's get through the end of the year. And then when January comes, just dump the stuff, you know, it's like, it's the perfect time to say, I'm not keeping, you know, office or warehouse or, you know, basement or garage full of whatever random idea I had two or three years ago. Just take the chance first week of the year to dump it, donate it, throw it away. Who cares? Just you know, liquidate. The <laughs> so stuff. I've never, mm-hmm. never heard of anybody who did that and regretted it. Like who yeah. got rid of their old inventory. Like, oh man, I wish I could have got it back. Never. It's never happened. But we, yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Of holding on to stuff. Like, you know, like you know, someone yeah. could use this. No, the the move is to move it so that you can be more productive and. And efficient. And it's hard. Though. It takes it's hard up. As, as it humans. takes up more headspace in your mind than it does anything else. Sometimes it's just like this: the mental baggage of knowing you've got crap laying around that you haven't dealt with. It didn't work. It's almost like a a symbol, you know, a, a talisman or whatever of of a failure of the past. You know, you got a physical reminder of some failed idea. <laughs> Get rid of it. Just dump it, and that way you don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's masochistic. We choose to keep objects of failure. Let's not do that. Yeah, <laughs> not only no, they don't regret it, that, like you actually feel better, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you the, the act of giving to like, even just give it away to somebody who could maybe use it. Like just yeah. giving it away. You, one, you don't regret it. Yeah. Two, you feel better. Yeah. Um, so, but it's hard. Like I find I have to constantly remind myself of that because uh, it doesn't come naturally. It's, it's an irrational kind of response. Yeah. Totally. I think the other thing about annual planning that is really crucial is is to look back and to actually take the analysis of what worked and what didn't work in the prior year. I don't know if you guys have any tips or ideas for doing this. I I love doing this. And there's a book that I like by Philip Zambardo called The Time Paradox. And he talks about people being prior focused or pa- past or current focused or future focused, like three time periods. And then negative or positive. So you can be past positive or past negative. Like the past was always the best or the past was always the worst. And then you, in the moment, he calls it hedonic, hedonist, hedonic, if you're in the moment, positive or negative. And in the future, oriented, positive or negative. So that book is helpful. But one of the things that makes you realize is some people are really bad or just not genetically wired to look back. 
they just their mind doesn't do that. And it, it is a good time of year in the first week of the of January to look back at the prior year, make yourself look at the numbers or get it sorted out and ask yourself what really stunk it up, what ruined my time, ruined my joy, ruined my energy or what totally crushed it unexpectedly, maybe or on deli- on, on purpose and take those lessons into the new year as strategically as possible. I think that look back period, it's like now is a perfect time to do that. And I, I just, I'd hate for people to miss that opportunity and you just blunder through another month. You're like, Oh, January's gone. Oh, I'm into February. Oh, I'm kind of into the new year. What did we learn last year? I don't know. So, you know, this is a chance to sort that out. I'm wired that way. Anyway, I'm past positive. So that's my, my mental frame according to that book. And so, but that's, I think a helpful practice as well. Any thoughts on that? Any practice you guys have about how you assess prior periods of time or? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think one way for me personally that that is helpful is just writing, like journaling some of that mm-hmm. stuff throughout the year. So that kind of gives you a, a clear picture of how you felt in the moment. A year, nine months from now, you might reflect on something and be like, oh, you know, that wasn't so bad or that was a pretty good outcome. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and then you're like, we go back and read some of the stuff you're writing. And you're like, oh, I was not very happy during this. <laughs> you know, it was like, mm-hmm. it was a lot of work or, you know, it just gives kind of gives you a reality check. So I think that is a helpful exercise. But I guess my big sort of takeaway from your insight was a lot of times we we talk about business annual planning and business, but it also, as you as the CEO or you as the entrepreneur, you as the leader, you need to do that on a personal level because what you do personally is going to reflect through your organization. It's going to reflect through your business. It's going to have a huge impact. So I think that there's time to do this in your business, but also I think you need to spend some time reflecting personally as an entrepreneur or as a CEO or even just as someone who's working uh, for somebody else and how you can maximize your time and energy. Yeah, totally. Chris, there's a think? book. I think you guys have probably heard of it. If you haven't, I highly recommend reading it. 80-20 Marketing. And it's mm-hmm. on the Pareto, Pareto principle of 80-20. And honestly, 80-20 shows up all the time. If you can look back and you actually have numbers and you kept track of things, you're 80% of, your, of the good things happen in your business probably results of 20% of your actions. It may not be perfectly 80, 20, but it's going to be close. And if you can figure that out, then you can do more of the 20 and less of the 80% of what you did that only brought in 20% of revenue and all those things. You figure that out year after year after year and you kind of tweak things, then all of a sudden you're being a heck of a lot more uh, efficient. Uh, or you're doing the same amount of business and you're working a lot less or you're, the work that you're doing is easier, You know, depending on what, which way people want to go with it. But yeah. you know, I, I think it's important. And I think this should be a maybe like a marker that people can use to be like, hey, am I planning well? Is you know how often people in this space are like, I can't believe it's it's Q2 already. <laughs> I can't believe it's the third quarter already. I can't and we say this every quarter as if like we don't know how long it takes for three months to go by. Right. Like, <laughs> but every single time, maybe not for everybody, but frequently. Uh, people are like, I can't believe it's fourth quarter. It's like, how did like how did that miss you? Like, did you forget <laughs> how the calendar worked? Like, we, we all have phones, and like, it, this should not creep up on us. And I think if you find it creeps up on you, you might not be planning very well, and that might be a, a kind of a signal for you to go back and say, you know what? I don't ever want to say that. I want to like, I'm going to yeah. know when fourth quarter starts, when third quarter starts. It's not going to surprise me. I'm not going to be that guy that says, I can't believe, you know, we're halfway yeah. through the year already. It's like, how how do you not know that? <laughs> yeah. it's like, oops, I love it's, it. It's July. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Oops, it's July. Like, 
You should know this. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. No, it's funny. Okay, I have one last uh, question to idea to, to lead us into, and and that is um, accountability. So, you know, I mean, there's a real tension between planning in private and having goals in private versus having goals publicly. You, you know, if you have a team, then it's like, what do you share with your team? Do you freak people out by saying really aggressive goals? Do you make things public to people? And I've done it all wrong. I've done it wrong in every way you probably can do it wrong. You know, having a big public group goal is a generally interesting idea. But it can be a real flop. Um, never telling anybody your goals is the simplest thing. But then you don't have anybody to really even, you know, you'll forget your own goal if you don't even tell anybody probably. So some there's some tension there between what's appropriate. What do you guys tend to do with your you know, kind of public sharing of goals and the accountability associated with that kind of stuff. Any thoughts on that? I'll be the first to admit that I'm not great at it. So no one's coming to me for advice on how to like set goals as someone with a fairly recent, but you know, adult, you know, later in life diagnosis of ADHD, learning different ways that work better for different people. So I want people to also understand yeah. not everybody's the same. Uh, so don't try to copy somebody. Don't see someone else and be like, I want to be like that guy. Like it might not be possible for you to be like somebody else. You can aspire to that if that's what you want. Uh, but don't beat yourself up if you can't do the same things that other people do. One of the things for ADHD is lists. And when you have like an idea pops in your head, like there's ideas pop in your head all the time is to write things down, make a list in the morning or make a list weekly, like sit down and like every Sunday say, these are things I want to get done this week and actually put them on a list. And there's, there's studies and there's science that shows like just checking things off of the list releases some type of dopamine or it might be a different brain chemical, like a, like a, but a feel good chemical, just checking things off of a list. And it sounds small and it sounds silly. And it might be like, I'm never going to, I'm not going to start doing that at age 43 or 40, whatever. I think you should try it. I think you might find it works. I've heard of a lot of people who, when they do something else yeah. that wasn't on the list, they will go back and add it to the list just so they can check it off the list because they get that good feeling from it and it kind of creates this positive feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think Love it's important it. to understand yourself and understand human psychology, at least at some level, uh, about reward mechanisms in the brain and all of these things, because everything here is possible. Nothing we've talked about in business is like, like difficult, mm -hmm. like, oh, no one can possibly source a product from China. Like, yes, all these things are possible. You have to know yourself, you have to know your limitations, your strengths, your weaknesses, uh, and, and the things that have been, you know, studied and produced in science that will help different people with different things. So it's kind of like an always keep learning type of thing um, and not beat yourself up when you fail over and over and over again. Yeah, uh, Things take time and it's, I'd love to do more on, on the time thing, but you know, to make a big change in your life, especially if you've done things one way for a long time and then change, it's going to be difficult. It's going to take more time. So give yourself the, the grace and the patience to mess up a bunch of times and keep working towards a goal that you're looking for. It's good. It, it can be, you know, for yeah, for ADHD people, it's been it's awesome. proven yeah. to work very well. For other people, they may not need a list, so it's it's not a do yeah. it this way, not this way kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I love it. I uh, think writing writing your goals down, writing your list down. I think there was a Harvard study that said that if you write something down, you're 47 percent more likely to just accomplish it just by the very act of writing it down, right? Because you're engaging other parts of your brain. And to Chris's point, there's still release of, of dopamine and all these fun things when you get to check stuff off. So I think that writing it down is an important part. And then a couple other I, thoughts that I had uh, on this topic. One is that 
you need to know yourself, I think, ultimately, right? Where if you know, if you're internally motivated and you don't need to tell other people, you just write your goals down and you just execute and you do well, then that's awesome. Like, that's fantastic. Run with it. Do that. Other people are going to be more of like communally accountable. Like they find mm-hmm. that if they're in a group of people and they tell those people those goals, that they find that that puts the the pressure or that, you know, the, the impetus on them to move forward on that. And so just understanding how you're wired, I think is the first thing. And then leverage that. Tell people as many people as you need to in order to, to find that leverage. And, and I think even for me, like there's a couple, of, I have a couple of groups of guys that I meet with on a regular basis, you know, and we're talking about life in, in broad, broad strokes, but we do share some of our goals and stuff. And in, mm-hmm. in, in business, you also have to, you need to share your ideas and goals in your business, not only with your business partners and what you do, but with your employees and the people that work for you, right? Like you need to have a vision and help be a good leader yeah. is sort of telling them, here's where we're headed. And you have to communicate that effectively to your team if, so that everyone's on the same page. And so, if you're yeah. leading an organization or a company, you have to tell people what your goals are because the note, if you don't know, is going to have any direction on it. So it's like internally, you got to be able to do it and understand where you are. And then externally with your teams and your business, you got to, you definitely have to be telling and, and communicating that effectively. Do you guys share your business goals with your wives? Mm-hmm. I do. Not really. No. Mm, interesting. Okay, so one yes, one yes, not, no. Not on, not on purpose. Not like an active no, but more of a. <coughs> it, it's just not something we. Is she she doesn't would not find it as interesting to talk all day about <laughs> <laughs> on demand in Amazon. <laughs> You're sparing her the boredom of it, huh? Yeah. It's that she's oh. they're not secret in the sense of she's welcome to to know. Them, but, yes. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Open I, I book, but she's more. not interested in the book. <laughs> To kind of just jump on one thing that Kyle said, yeah, you know, he, he was ahead, talking about like accountability and having groups. And I've seen people post publicly to say, "Look, I'm I'm going to try and eat clean mm-hmm. for 30 days," and their social media kind of circle will kind of you know encourage them. And I want people to be okay with failing with that because you could post yeah. something publicly and hey, it, it it didn't work. You thought that the external pressure from your friends on social media would hold you to it, and it turns out that that wasn't a motivating factor for you, or maybe mm-hmm. just wasn't on that one. Maybe you need to try it again. Like it's okay to fail with some of these things. You know. I want to share that like I've hired, like actually hired an ADHD coach and she wasn't cheap. And at first I thought, this is silly. Like how on earth is just talking on the phone to somebody going to gonna make this work? But it works. I know not everybody can afford to hire like a, a one-on-one coach, but having somebody one-on-one hold you accountable, someone who's not your friend, right? She's not my friend. And she'll say, okay, what do you want to work on You know, this week? And I'll say, this is what I want to do. And like, what do you want to do today? Okay, this is what I want to do today. She's okay, let's get started right now while she's still on the phone. And I'm like, mm-hmm. every time, like, is this a good use of like, you know, five to 10 minutes where I'm just going to do the work while she like listens to make sure I, I do it. But you know what? I do it. But it's that uncomfortable yeah. feeling to be like, I don't want to do it right now. And if I hang up the phone, I'm not going to do it right now. Like work mm-hmm. on a chapter or mm-hmm. write an email, whatever it might be. But she's like, you don't, no, you're doing it right now. And I don't have a choice. And I have to, yeah. and it's just this simple external pressure of someone who's not even a friend, someone I'm paying money to, where I could literally stop paying money and say, no, I don't want to do this. See ya. But it's it's kind of submitting and saying, look, I know I need help with this. I know I need help with setting goals. I know I need help getting started. Whatever you need help with, find somebody Mm -hmm. uh, who can help you with that. And this this is like the last thing I would throw on top of this because I know this. It's not free, you know, to hire a one-on-one coach. People's time is valuable. But think of it in terms of, uh, you know, what would it cost you to not have that coach? What would it cost you Mm -hmm. to not pay for something? Like, what are you not going to get done this month, this Mm -hmm. quarter, this year, if you don't? hire that coach and then start to say, you know what? It might be worth 
you know, in, investing a little bit in my time. I think people should, should take a hard look at it. I've been on the other side of it yeah. where I'd be like, no, this is not like you hire a coach for Pete's sake, just do it. No, for some people, myself included, you need that external pressure. And if you have to pay for it, hey, it's better than it's better than not paying for it because mm-hmm. of the opportunity cost of what you're not going to get done. Uh, I know that can be a big decision for people, but I think people should, should think closely about it. Yeah, no, I think that's a total pro tip. I, I use the phrase getting leverage on myself when I really want to have a goal that I go after. And sometimes I strategically share it with people. And, you know, you on Kindle, you can famously do this now. You can pre, pre-publish a book and the manuscript doesn't even have to be fully done, you know, and you can pre-sell it. And that kind of getting external pressure or external leverage is a real, real pro tip for goal achievement. And there's many, many ways you can do that. I've always told people that the problem with self-publishing is that you're not under contract with a traditional publisher who's given you a big check and said you have to have the book done in you know 12 weeks or whatever it is, because that big check and that time-bound commitment that you sign off on literally with your signature some way magically makes you productive enough to get the book done in 12 <laughs> weeks. And that kind of external accountability, external you know, pressure, getting leverage on yourself, that is the trick of all of us who want to get more productive is how do we do that in increasingly effective ways so that we have our own little mind games we play on ourselves to get ourselves to do what we know we want to do but our lesser nature or our undisciplined self somehow takes over and just binges Netflix all day. And uh, we have to figure out how to get past that. So if in 2022, you're listening to this show and you figure out how to get leverage on yourself with lists or with accountability partners, with coaches, with contracts you sign with people, with public sharing of your goals strategically so that people will hold you accountable and even, you know, even, you know, not even friends, maybe, maybe they'll mock you if you don't get it done or something like that. I mean, that's, those are all good pressures. Those are all good, you know, processes to put in place for goal setting. So, okay. Any final comments, Kyle? And and want to make sure we hear from you again before we, this is really good stuff. I'm, I'm inspired by it. Anytime, anytime we talk about goal setting and, you know, being aspirational, I think I'm more future forward and positive, probably if you, Mm -hmm. I was going to use that, that framework that you laid out. And so for me, I, I really do like it. I think the secret to all of your goal setting is to break it down into these small actionable chunks that you mm-hmm. surface and have visibility on early on a daily basis. And it's weekly sort of building the right habits that you need to accomplish the goals that you want to do, because your habits will definitely define your success with your goals, right? And and, and yeah. how painful they are in the process, right? Because to Jason, your point, if you have your, your contract for your book and you have a deadline, it's going to be much probably healthier for you to sort of work towards getting it done, you know, a healthy and effectively, and you're just making small chunks on it instead of, you know, you know, sometimes as the procrastinators and us wait till like, Oh, we have to put total leverage on ourselves in the last minute. And then you're like, you're back in college, right. Staying up all night, writing that paper, right. That's due the next day. And, uh, and you just, that's just not a healthiest approach to, yeah. uh, to, to dealing with your, your goals and, and, and making things happen. So it's like finding that good balance. If you can build yeah. the habits. So it's like for writers, you know, like one of the the habits for writers, right, is to write every day, and you just yeah. get into the lane of writing, and you're building, you're you're working on that muscle, and you're just working it out and, and building up your stamina. And I think that that's important. So build those habits, build the habits you want for your ultimate goals, and that's going to really set you apart and give you an advantage. 
Yeah, totally agree. All right, guys. Well, fantastic stuff as always. And thank you everybody for showing up for the show. The e-commerce leader call-in show somehow is hitting the lists, man. If you look in the call-in app, you can see the top shows in the education category. I think yesterday we were number 15 and our uh, listenership just like 10 X in the last month. So I don't know, something's happening and that's awesome. Thank you so much for listening in and for finding the show and appreciating it. Feel free to like the episode, share them, do whatever you can to uh, support it. And we'll continue to bring fun and exciting topics to the table every week. So guys, thank you again so much for hanging out with me today and we'll see you soon. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.